0: بسم الله والابن والروح القدس الاله الواحد امين احنا دايماً في شهر الكهك بنرنم مديحة العليقة ودين بتتقال على ثيوتوكية يوم الخميس وثيوتوكية يوم الخميس بتبديد بكلمة العليقة وفي ذهننا يعني انا لو سألتكم ايه معنى العليقة؟ كلك هتقولوا العليقة تشبه للعذرة والنار تشبه لسيد المسيح نار اللهوت وزي ما المسيح حل باللهوت في, في بطن العذرة والعذرة لم تحترق بنار لهوت المسيح عشان كده العليقة مشتعلة بالنار ترمز للعذرة حامل المسيح طبعا ده معنى سليم ولكن هذا المعنى هو معنى واحد من عدة معاني اخرى عشان كده النهاردة عايز اتكلمكو على معنى العليق معنى العليق العليق الموجودة في خروج الصح 3 فتعالوا نقرأ معنا يقول وأما موسى فكان يرعى غنم يثرون حميه كاهن مديان فساق الغنم الى وراء البرية وجاء الى جبل الله حري كان راعي غنم وابتدا يرعى الغنم وطلع كده في البرية لغاية الجبل وابتدى يرعى الغنم هناك وهو ماشي يقول وظهر له ملاك الرب بلهيب نار من وسط عليق العليق دين اللي هي تبقى شجيرات صغيرة كده ولو منكو حد راح دير سانت كاترين العليقة موجودة هناك لغاية الوقت الشجرة دي وفي حاجة عجيبة انك تاخد اي قطعة حجر من الجبل هناك تلاقي مرسوم فيه نبات زي العليقة تكسره في اي اتجاه تلاقي الرسمة موجودة بتاعت العليقة فيه انا عندي حجر انا لو رحت هناك جبت جزء حجر هناك فعلا تكسره في اي اتجاه تلاقي رسمة العليقة موجودة فيه فشاف كده عباره ليتل بوس كده وسجايره صغيرة ودي موجود منها كتير لما لو تزوروا صحراء سيناء موجود منها كتير الصغيره دي ولقى في نار والنار ما بتحرقش العليق فعرف على طول ان دي رؤية الهيه مش كده له ملاك الرب بالانجليزي ملاك الرب هتلاقوا كلمة ملاك انجل اي كابتال يبقى اذا كلمة ملاك هنا مش معناها واحد من طغمة الملايكة انما كلمة ملاك معناها رسول يعني الله الاب ارسل اقنوم الابن علشان يظهر لموسى النبي فكلمة ملاك شوحت من ضغمة الملاك لكن معناها مرسل يعني فنظر موسى بس كذا وإذا العليقة تتوقد بالنار والعليقة لم تكن تحترق منظر عجيب شجيرة كذا مولع فيها نار وما بتتحرقش فقال موسى أميل الآن لأنظر هذا المنظر العظيم لماذا لا تحترق العليقة خد قرار انها يسيب الغنم على جنب وكلمة اميل الآن يعني هسيب اللي أنا بعمله وهتفرغ عشان ابص للعلقة دي ليه ما بتفحرقش خلوا بالك عشان اول ايه هقف عندها ايه اربعة يقول فلما رأى الرب انه نا مال لينظر نداها الله من وسط العليقة وقال موسى موسى فقال ها أنزم تعالوا نقرأ الآية دي فلما رأى الرب أنه مال لينظر نداه طيب معنى كده ان هو لو موسى ما كانش مال لينظر كان ربنا هنا دي كان هنا دي ولمش هنا دي كانش هنا دي هنا فلما رأى الرب أنه مالا لينظر نداء من وسط العدوى ودي أول نقطة عيزة أفعالي كيف حياتنا مش عارف كم العربة لإنجليزي كم العربة لإنجليزي لأ ما هو لما شاف النار عارف ان دي رؤية ان ده ملاك ربنا الى اخره وبعدين موسى هو اللي كتب سفر الخروج فربما أي لي دي بتلخص اللي هيحكيه بعد كده يعني ان في رؤية ظهرت له وين بشرح بقى ايه اللي حصل يعني ف... يعني فخليني اكامل انجليزي So, when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. So, if Moses did not decide to turn to look, God wouldn't call him by his name. In our life, we need actually to make a decision to turn aside, to leave our work, to leave our responsibilities, to leave the sheep and the flock of Jethro, as Moses did, in order to look for the great site. For example, what's the great site? Every liturgy we have God on the altar by His We have God on the altar. Behold, Emmanuel, our God, is with us today on this table. So actually, we need to turn aside to go to the liturgy. If actually God, when God sees us, put aside our responsibility, and we give our undivided attention to him, then God will call us by our name. And then God will reveal His mystery to us. Many times we are busy. Why you don't pray, we are busy. Why you don't come to the church, we are busy. Why you don't read the Bible, we are busy. But as long as we are busy, as long as we don't give our undivided attention to the Lord, as long as we don't have time for him, we will never actually have this personal relationship with God, and God will never call us by our name as he did with Moses. But Moses said, here I am, and was about actually to approach the burning bush. But God told him, no, no, no. It is not enough for you to turn aside. There is something else you need to do before I reveal my mystery to you. Before I explain to you the mystery of the burning bush. As we read in verse uh, 5. Then he, God, said do not draw near. Do not Draw near this place. Take your sandals off, your feet. For the place where you stand is holy ground. So God told him, before you approach me, and before I explain to you the mystery of the burning bush, you need to take your sandals off. Why? What does this mean, to take my sandals off? When we walk, actually, our sandals get dirty. So, taking off our sandals is a symbol of repentance. Taking off the dirt from our life. In our journey, when we walk in our journey, we collect sins and iniquities. We need actually to repent and get rid of these iniquities in order to be able to stand before God. That's why the Church until now teaches us when we take communion or before entering the altar, we take off our shoes. When we take off our shoes, all of us, we do it automatically. But the purpose behind it, at this moment when I take off my shoes, I should ask myself, did I take off the sins from my life or not? If I don't take off the sins in my life, then I cannot, I cannot approach the holy ground. I cannot approach the communion. I cannot approach the altar of the Lord, and that's why in the Egbeya, after we say Thanksgiving prayer, we start by saying Psalm 50, which which is the Psalm of repentance. Why? Because this Psalm of repentance is the Psalm of taking off your shoes. When we repent, before we start or in the beginning of our prayer, means I'm approaching God with a repentant heart. Then God started to reveal who he is. Maybe at the beginning, Moses thought it is just an angel. But here God revealed to Moses, verse 6, Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. If God said, I am God, it's enough. Because there is only one God. But why God said, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob? He can say just, I am God, and that's it. There are many reasons why God revealed Himself in this way. The first reason, you know the Israelites lived in Egypt 400 years. And Egypt was a pagan country. They worshipped idols and they called them gods. So, maybe Moses to a certain extent was influenced by this idea. We saw how Moses, when he uh, spoke with God on the mountain and stayed there for 40, uh, 40 days, Aaron, the brother of Moses, made an idol for the children of Israel, and said to this golden calf, this is your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. This story tells us that the people were influenced with the paganism in Egypt. So God, when he said, I am God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob, meaning, I am not one of these false gods of the Egyptians. I'm not an idol, but I am the true and living God. I am the God who was worshipped by Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, your fathers. I am the God who was worshipped by Israel. That's the first meaning. The second meaning, why God said, I'm God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob, Because God loves his children, so he is happy actually to identify himself with his children. When you love your son, then you say, I am the father of so-and-so, I am the mother of so-and-so. So here God actually is happy to call himself, I am God of Isaac, God of Jacob, God of Abraham out of his love to his children. Also, God, out of his love and his humbleness, he gave us things that do not belong to us. For example, we call this church St. Joseph Church. All churches are the churches of God. But why we give name of saints to the church? Because God taught us, how the temple in the Old Testament was called the temple of Solomon in the scripture. Also, it is the temple of God. But God is happy, actually, to give names to things belonging to Him and to give the names of His children on these things. To put their names. For example, the law was given by God. So the law is the law of God. But in the scripture, it's written, the law of Moses. Although Moses did not write it. But that's our God, humble God. So here, God is saying, I'm God of Abraham. It's humbleness. You cannot find a famous person, identify himself, or introduce himself by saying, for example, President will not say, I'm the father of so-and-so, or or, I'm the uncle of so-and-so, just by saying, I'm president, so-and-so, I'm prime minister, so-and-so. People know him. But here, God in his humbleness said, I'm God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But the main reason which I kept it to the end, there was a covenant between God and between Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This covenant, God said to Abraham and to Isaac and Jacob. He told them, you will go to a far country where actually they will oppress you for 400 years, and then I will bring you from this country into a land that's flowing with milk and honey. The children of Israel when they suffered from the oppression in Egypt, they start to question whether God still remembers the covenant or not. That's why in Acts chapter 2, we, is not Acts, Exodus chapter 2, we read in verse 23, now it happened in the process of time that the king of Egypt died, then the children of Israel groaned because of the bondage. And they cried out. And their cry came up to God because of the bondage. So God heard their groaning. And God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel and God acknowledged them. So here actually, when God said, I am God of Abraham, Meaning, I did not forget my covenant with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. I know my people are oppressed in Egypt. My people are under bondage. But I did not forget my covenant, my promise that I will deliver them from the land of Egypt uh, to a land uh, flowing with milk and honey. And why milk and honey? Why milk and honey? Milk is taken from animals. Honey from the plants, the, the bees collect from the plants. So this actually land will have a lot of animals and a lot of plants, which means a, a fertile land, a good land, land of prosperity. Then God actually, from verse 7, he started to explain to Moses this vision. Of the, he told him, And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt, and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrow. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from the land, that land, to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and and honey. If we count the actions, we will find there are six actions from verse seven and, and eight. First one, I have seen. Second one, heard their cry. Third one, I know their sorrow. Fourth one, I have come down. Fifth one, to deliver them out of the land of Egypt. And the last one, to bring them up from that land to a good and large land. Number six implies the completion of action. God created the world in 60 days. He completed, He finished. God finished the Salvation on the 6th day and on the 6th hour. So number 6 actually symbolizes mission that is accomplished. So in these 6 verbs or 6 actions we see how God actually accomplished His mission with Israel. For example, If you hear somebody under oppression, maybe you can say, I have seen the oppression of so-and-so. Maybe I can say, I heard his cry. Maybe I can say, I know his suffering. And then most of us would stop here after these three actions. Yes, we know they are killing Christians, in Ethiopia now. No, we we, we we heard about it, we did not see it, and we know what does it mean, that Christian being martyred. But the Lord said, I have come down. Many times, actually, we cannot do anything. Maybe the best we can do is just send some money to support them, and that's it some eat." And that's it. But God said, I will come down. Actually, if He delivered them from their suffering, this will be, in our mind and our perception, a complete task. For example, if you find somebody who is oppressed and you can go and help him and deliver him from the oppression, you will say, I Delivered this person. If somebody has debt and you paid his debt, so you say, I, I did my responsible well toward him. But God did not stop here. But He added another action, which I will bring them up to a land flowing with milk and honey. So God did not stop at delivering Israel uh, from the oppression of the Egyptians. But he added, I will give them inheritance in a land flowing with milk and honey. That's a complete action of God. That's how God accomplished the mission to the end. I have seen, I have heard, I know their sorrow, I will come down and I will deliver them and bring them up. We need to trust God that when we put our life in His hand, then He actually will do a finished and a complete work. So now, what is the meaning of the burning bush? After we understood the story. Burning bush has so many meanings. The historical meaning is the, the first meaning is the historic, historical meaning. This little bush symbolizes the Israelite, this minority among the Egyptians. And the fire symbolizes the oppression of the Egyptians. But why? The bush was not consumed by the fire because God is there. So God wants to say to Moses, Yes, I know my people are oppressed by the fire of the Egyptians. But don't be afraid. They cannot consume them. As much as they are persecuted and oppressed, but I am with them. As much as they oppressed them, they flourished and they grew. Many times when we hear about persecution of Christians, we become anxious and we question where is God? Yes, the fire is around us. The fire of persecution is around us. But don't be afraid. God in our midst. And as long as God in our midst, the fire will not consume the bush. Persecution of Christians never ever ended Christianity. Rather, made Christianity spread all over the world. Maybe some of you can say, fire represents the Holy Spirit fire represents the divinity. So how can fire be a symbol of divinity, symbol of the Holy Spirit? Our God is a consuming fire and at the same time we say fire is the oppression by the Egyptians. In the Bible many uh, symbolism or many symbols can be a symbol of something and symbol of something exactly the opposite of the Pharisee. For example, the lion. The lion can be a symbol of Jesus Christ, the lion who came from the tribe of Judah. But St. Peter said, the devil is like a roaring lion. So the lion can be a symbol of the Lord Jesus Christ and a symbol of the devil. So we understand it based on the context. Another example, the uh, yeast or the leaven. The leaven can be a symbol of evil, as the Lord said, Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. But the Lord in Matthew chapter 16 said, The leaven is a symbol of the kingdom of God woman took this leaven and put it in uh, three measures of flour. So the leaven can be a symbol of the kingdom of God in its spread, and the leaven can be a symbol of hypocrisy in its deceiving, because it gives impressions bigger than what it is. So the fire can be a symbol of divinity, and as fire can be a symbol also of the oppression of the Egyptians. So that is actually the historical meaning. The second meaning is the prophetic meaning. The prophetic meaning. The bush symbolizes the world, the human being living in the world. And the fire represents the oppression by Satan. After the fall of Adam and Eve, all of us, we became under the bondage. And we were delivered and we were sold on account of our sins to the devil. And death reigned over us. So God saw our oppression in the Old Testament. Heard our cry in the Old Testament. He knew our suffering in the Old Testament. That's why he said, I have come down. That's the incarnation. The birth of Christ. I have come down. To deliver them from the kingdom of Satan. And bring them up to a better kingdom. The kingdom of Christ. And this happened with every baptism. Every baptism, when we renounce Satan who are delivered from the kingdom of Satan, and when we confess the Lord Jesus Christ, now are transferred to the kingdom that's flowing with milk and honey. So that is the second meaning, the prophetic meaning. It was a prophecy about the incarnation of the Son of God to save us from the oppression by Satan the third meaning which actually is the symbolic meaning and that is the very common meaning of the burning bush the burning bush represents Saint Mary and the fire represents the fire of divinity and how the Son of God came in the womb of St. Mary, took flesh from her without consuming St. Mary. This actually is a miraculous event, above and beyond our understanding. The fourth meaning is the Christological meaning. Christological meaning. What do I mean by Christological meaning? We know that our Lord Jesus Christ is a perfect human and perfect divine. And these two natures are united together without mingling, without confusion, and without alteration. How can we understand this unity? Saint Cyril of Alexandria, said this unity is like ironous fire. Or we can take this example here, the burning bush. The bush represents the humanity of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the fire represents the divinity. How both of them were united? Without alteration, without mingling or without confusion. For example, we did not see the fire alternating the nature of the bush. Or the fire was mingled with the bush or confused with the bush. But they were united in a mystical way. So the burning bush actually can explain to us the mystery of the union between the divinity and the humanity in the person of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's why when we speak about the Lord Jesus Christ, we are speaking about one nature, the nature of the incarnated Son of God. Because now He is not two natures. He is one nature, the nature of the incarnated Son of God. The fifth meaning of the burning bush is the spiritual meaning. Can you imagine if there are weeds or deadly uh, grass around the bush? What What the fire would do? The fire definitely burned all the weeds and all the deadly and poisonous herbs and grass around the, the bush, but without actually burning the bush itself. This exactly happens when we repent. We have the Holy Spirit inside us. You are the temple of God, and the Holy Spirit abides in you. And as we read in Hebrew chapter 10, our God is a consuming fire. Consuming not to us, but God will consume our impurities. God will consume the deadly and poisonous herbs in our life. That is the purification work of the Holy Spirit in our life. How the Holy Spirit purifies and cleanses. Like when you take piece of silver or gold and put it in the fire. The fire will not consume the gold or the silver, but the fire will purify and cleanse the silver and gold from all its impurities. So we can see here the spiritual work of the Holy Spirit and us. How this fire consumed and cleansed all the area from the deadly herbs, but did not consume the bush itself. The last meaning which I kept it too late to, the, uh, to be the last one the fire represents what? The fire represents love. As we read in uh, Song of Solomon chapter 8 in verse 8, verse 6 Set me as a seal upon your heart, as a seal upon your arm. For love is as strong as death, jealousy as cruel as a grave. Its flames, the flame of love, are flames of fire, a most vehement flame. Many waters cannot quench love. So love is like fire, and many waters cannot quench love, nor can the floods drown it. So even if there is fire, the fire of love, the floods will not quench or stop. If a man would give for love all the wealth of his house, it would be utterly despised. So here actually, this fire in the bush is the fire of the love of God. When actually we have the love of God in our heart, we do have God in our heart. The Holy Spirit abides in you. When we kindle this fire inside our heart, we cannot actually... Stop praising God. We cannot stop talking with Him. Because the fire will fill me with zeal. It is the fire of love. One time, God asked Jeremiah to deliver a message to the people. But the people actually dealt very badly with Jeremiah. They threw him in a pit full of mud. So Jeremiah decided not to say the prophecy to the people in order to spare himself some trouble and some suffering. But he said, the word became like a fire within me. I could not withhold it. So finally, because of this fire, He went and delivered the message. If we keep the word of God inside our heart, it will be like a fire. And I cannot sin because of this fire. The fire will rebuke me, will convict me. I will be like Joseph saying, how can I commit this great wickedness? and sin against God. If we have this fire inside our heart, we will not delay or postpone any prayer. But the longing to God will be like a a fire. So we will wake up very early in the morning just to speak to God. We will wake up in the middle of the night How can I sleep for six hours or seven hours without talking to God? I will walk up in the middle of the night to speak to God. David used to do this. And all the day, this fire will make me in communication with God. Maybe you are surprised at how David praised God seven times every day. How before the morning watch he used to wake up early to praise the Lord how in the middle of the night he used to wake up to praise the Lord it's because of this fire the fire of the love love of God we read about Saint Arsenius he used actually to stand in prayer from sunset to sunrise almost 12 hours how can he did this what are the words what was his talk with god it is this fire the fire that was burning inside his heart augustine before his repentance Actually, he was very laid back. Even he saw the tears in his mother's eyes. But even these tears did not move him. Until he allowed this fire of love to burn within his heart. Then, Augustine, his life was completely changed and transformed. And and if you read the Confession of St. Augustine, you will see how this fire was burning inside his heart. And he said, you created us yourself and will be restless until we find ourselves in you. And he said, I sat on the top of the world when I desired nothing from the world. So when God actually appeared like a fire to Moses in the burning bush and this fire united with the bush he told him people who allow themselves to be united with me their heart will be full of this fire the fire of love. That's why Moses described this scene as the great sight, the great sight. So now we can see there are more than one meaning for the burning bush. The historical meaning, the prophetic meaning, the symbolic meaning, the Christological meaning, the Spiritual meaning and also the uh, meaning of love. How uh, this scene actually reflects to us the love of God. While actually these days we are fasting and singing this lovely song, The Burning Bush, bush, uh, seen by Moses. We need, actually, to reflect on this deep meaning of this beautiful vision. But in order for us to reveal, or to understand it, and in order for God to reveal himself more and more to us, the mystery of the burning bush, the mystery of the incarnation, we need to do two things. We need to give God our undivided attention to leave the flock of Jethro aside, to turn to see the great side of the burning bush. And the second thing, to approach God with a repentant heart, to take off your shoes, to take off your iniquities, to stand before God in purity and righteousness. When we do these two things, then God As he called Moses by his name, he will call us by our name, and he will reveal his mystery. He will tell me, I am the God of your fathers, and he will start to explain to us the mystery of his incarnation. Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen.